In case you haven't heard already, it was Friday, August the 4th, 2023. That's when an unruly riot broke out in Manhattan's Union Square. This riot occurred after a popular online video creator promised to pass out prizes like PS5s and other free gaming electronics. Unfortunately, though, the gathering quickly spiraled out of control as a crowd of about 2,000 young people started rioting. Some people were jumping on cars, including the vandalization of police vehicles. Others, they destroyed food vendor carts, which is truly disturbing. There were others who were taunting law enforcement agents, you know, the agents who were sent in to restrain the riot. And as a result, listen, 65 people ended up being restrained with handcuffs and then arrested for their crimes. Now, as we consider the way that this large crowd quickly turned into this unrestrained mob, well, there should be no doubt in our minds that there are times when criminals need to be restrained. There are times when criminals need to be restrained. And in order to further prove my point, we should consider the data that was analyzed just last year after progressive legislatures called for the defunding of police departments back in 2020. Now, according to the data that came from seven major cities where police departments were defunded, listen, the data shows that violent crimes increased by upwards of 40% over the course of 2021. Really? Did anybody not think that was going to happen? <laughs> I mean, of course, of course, crime increased in the cities where uh, police departments were defunded. And in light of the data, there should be no doubt in our minds that police departments are necessary for restraining crime. Yeah, police departments and, and, and police, law enforcement agents are needed for restraining crime. Well, listen, it's in a similar yet spiritual way that the world also requires a spiritual restrainer who is able to bring conviction to the hearts of every human so that we also might be restrained. And the reason why is because, listen, humans, fallen humans are always prone to pursuing the sinful desires of our carnal cravings and left to ourselves, we will continue down that path of depravity. With that being the case, we can rejoice in knowing that the Lord has sent a restrainer. The Lord sent a restrainer to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And with that being the case, I also can't help but to wonder what's going to happen when the restrainer is finally removed. And I know what's going to happen, but I just can't help but to wonder how bad things are going to get once the mystery of lawlessness is finally allowed to go without any restraint at all. And with these questions in mind, we're going to spend our time today contemplating the important role of the entity that Paul refers to as the restrainer. And as we study the text before us today, we're going to first consider the identity of this restrainer. Secondly, we'll consider the authority of the restrainer. And then thirdly and finally, we'll learn about the security of the restrainer. Now, uh, with this as our outline, let's open our Bibles to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Here we find Paul informing his audience about the role of the restrainer. Now, as you make your way to the second chapter of Second Thessalonians, I want to take a moment to put our text back into its context. It'll first help us to remember that Paul began this chapter with a focus 
on the second coming of Christ Jesus. And in order to assure his audience that the second coming was still yet future tense, well, Paul informed the original recipients of this epistle that, that, the, that the return of Jesus is going to be preceded by the great apostasy. Not only that, but he also assured them that the return of Jesus will be preceded by the rise of the Antichrist. And now here in our text today, we learn about the role that the restrainer is currently playing in all of these events. And so with this as the focus, let's pick up our study of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I want to begin reading there at verse 6, because here Paul declares, And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Here in our text today, we find Paul, he's referring to the restrainer, which is currently restraining what he calls the mystery of lawlessness. In other words, the restrainer is actively obstructing the increasing level of lawlessness, which is going to result in the spiritual rebellion that occurs during the days of the great apostasy. Not only that, but the restrainer is also restraining the rise of the lawless one. Just to be clear, it'll help you to know that the lawless one, well, this is another title that Paul is using for the Antichrist. And what this means then is that the restrainer, well, the restrainer is currently restraining the rise of the Antichrist. With that being the case, we should take a moment to ask who or what is the restrainer? Now, with this question in mind, I want to spend a little time considering some of the speculations that scholars have suggested over the years. There are those who think that the restrainer is the church. They think that the restrainer is the church, and more specifically, uh, it's the church engaging in the commission, uh, which is to preach the gospel of, uh, of Jesus Christ. So, so some, some scholars have suggested that the restrainer is the church. Others have suggested that the restrainer was the Roman government. Still yet others have uh, pointed to the state of Israel as being the restrainer. Uh, then there are those who believe that the restrainer is Michael the archangel, while others insist that the restrainer is the Holy Spirit of God. Now, as we consider these most popular options, I want to take some time to consider the details that Paul is presenting here in our text today so that we can better identify the identity of the restrainer. So look with me again, once again, there at verse 6. Here Paul declares, And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. Now, from this we can see here that there's something that is restraining the, the one who is going to be revealed in his own time. So there's this restrainer that's restraining the revelation of the lawless one. And with that being the case, we should take a moment to ask this. Well, what sort of energy or what sort of power or what sort of entity would be able to restrain the Antichrist from stepping onto the world stage? And in what way is the restrainer restraining the lawless one from establishing his global government? Well, with these questions in mind, I want to con continue to consider the descriptive details that Paul presents here in our text today. And so if you would, let's take another look there at verse 7. Here again, Paul declares, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. 
Now, here in this verse, we find Paul, he's referring now to the restrainer with the personal pronoun, he. And what this means is that the restrainer is more than just some sort of impersonal power or force. The restrainer is also not necessarily a, 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 a group or a community like the church or like the Roman government. The restrainer is a, a personal, or, or, or he's using a, a personal pronoun here uh, to identify the restrainer as a singular personality who apparently also has the power to restrain the rise of the Antichrist. And not only that, but we also realize here that there is coming a day when this restrainer is going to be removed. I'm going to consider again how Paul puts it here in our text today. So look with me again, beginning at verse 7. Here Paul declares, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So here in these verses, we find Paul, he's describing the way in which the very presence of this personal restrainer is actively stopping the rise of the Antichrist. Not only that, but we also learn that there's coming a day when this restrainer will then be taken out of the way. And just to be clear about this, that word taken, well, it seems to suggest that the restrainer is going to be captured by Liam Neeson. But no, that's... that's that's not the case. That's not what's... Uh, please, please, no to taken for. Listen, the word taken here, it's found there at the end of verse 7. It's actually translated from a Greek word, which in this context, it speaks of something that is fulfilled. Or it could also refer to someone that's finished their task or completed their purpose. And with this def- definition in mind, uh, we could render verse 7 in this way. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is finished or until his purpose is completed. From this, we can see that there's coming a day when the restrainer will stop restraining the mystery of lawlessness. Today, the restrainer is restraining the mystery of lawlessness. But there's, a coming, there's coming a day when he'll be taken out of the way. And it's at that point in time when the lawless one will be revealed as the Antichrist takes center stage during the time of tribulation. Now, with all this being the case, we should take a moment to ask, what sort of power does the, does the restrainer need to restrain the rise of the Antichrist? How much power does it take to restrain the rise of the Antichrist. And not only that, but what sort of power would it take for the same restrainer to simultaneously restrain the mystery of lawlessness? Now, with these questions in mind, we should take a moment to consider the connection between the mystery of lawlessness and the rise of the lawless one. For the sake of clarity, it'll help you to know that both of these words, when it says the mystery of lawlessness and the lawless one, lawlessness and lawless, they're, they're both from the same Greek word, which uh, can also be rendered iniquity. And so Paul here is referring to the mystery of iniquity, which will continue to ramp up until the day when the man of iniquity is finally allowed to usher in the flood of iniquity that he's going to create by the power of Satan. What this means then is that the restrainer 
must have the power necessary to restrain the increasing iniquity happening here in this world until the day when he's finally removed and thereby allows the man of iniquity to rise up. So what kind of power does this take? And with that being, with this question in mind here, I want to suggest that the restrainer must be omnipotent. The restrainer must be omnipotent, which is to say that he must be all-powerful. And, you know, that narrows the options down now, doesn't it? That narrows the options down to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because only the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are omnipotent. And with that being the case, I'd like to suggest to you that the restrainer must be the Holy Spirit. To make my case, let's consider the the way that the Lord Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as the one who would actually be sent to fulfill this role. So hold your place here in 2 Thessalonians, and let's turn in our Bibles to the Gospel of John. I'd like you to turn to John chapter 16. Uh, You see, it's here in the 16th chapter of John's Gospel account where we find the Lord Jesus. He's helping his disciples to understand the way in which the Holy Spirit would, would be sent to restrain the mystery of iniquity. And it's here in these verses where we learn about the way in which the Holy Spirit would do this as he convicts unbelievers about sin and righteousness and judgment. With this as the focus, if you would look with me here at John chapter 16. I want to begin reading there at verse 7 because here Jesus declares, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Now, here in these verses, we find Christ Jesus. He's promising to send the Holy Spirit after his ascension into heaven. And he's promising to send the Holy Spirit, the helper, who would help the church accomplish the great commission of Christ Jesus. And according to the Lord, the Holy Spirit would come and he uh, convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And just to be clear, that word convict, it's found there in verse 8. It's translated from a Greek word which can also be rendered rebuke or reprove. And the same word speaks of the admonishments that bring shame upon the unbelievers who are living in lawlessness. And as we consider the way that the Holy Spirit comes and convicts the world, and specifically the unbelievers who are living in sin, we can see then how the Holy Spirit was actually sent to restrain the mystery of lawlessness or the mystery of iniquity, which is to say that iniquity will increase from the time of Paul and there in the first century all the way until the day of the lawless one. Think about this for a moment now. Every time an unbeliever responds to the conviction of the Holy Spirit with repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, that's when they become new creations in Christ Jesus who then begin to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. 
And every time this happens, every time a sinner converts to Christ Jesus by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the mystery of lawlessness is being restrained one conversion at a time. And not only that, but listen, the Holy Spirit then uh, is, uh, begins to guide this believer into all truth so that those who trust in Jesus Christ can begin living according to the perfect will of God. And in this way, the Holy Spirit was sent to serve as our heavenly helper. And this he's going to continue doing until the day when he's finally taken out of the way, which will then give rise to uh, or give way to the rise of the Antichrist. Now this brings us to our second point, because listen, now that we've locked down the identity of the restrainer as being the omnipotent Holy Spirit, we should also take some time to consider now the authority of this restrainer. And with this as the focus, let's make our way back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Here we find Paul, he's helping his audience to grasp the authority of this restrainer. And so I want to consider how Paul puts it here, beginning again there in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6. There he declares, And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Now, as we take another look at these verses, we must not fail to realize here that the restraining work of the Holy Spirit, it carries with it the implication of almighty authority. And in order to explain my point here, we should take some time to consider how the Antichrist is going to be possessed and empowered by Satan. You might not know that. But there's coming a day when the Antichrist is going to be possessed and empowered by Satan. And to prove my point, I want to consider the way that Paul goes on to describe this possession and empowerment here in the same letter that he sent to the church in Thessalonica. I want to focus your attention here on the first verse that we're going to study in our, uh, our text next week. Uh, and so look with me there at verse 9. Here Paul declares, "...the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan." with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Now from this we can see that the lawless one will eventually be empowered by the devil himself. And what this means is that there's coming a day when the Antichrist is going to rise up and take control of a global government and he's going to produce deceptive signs by the power of Satan. Uh, Further evidence of this can be found in the book of Revelation, where the apostle John informs us that the dragon, that's the devil, uh, the dragon is going to give the Antichrist power, a throne, and great authority. And from this, we can see that there's coming a day when the devil is going to empower the Antichrist with all of the authority that he has. I should also remind you that it's all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. There we find the first reference to the Antichrist. And it's there as the Lord is rebuking the serpent who deceived Eve. He he rebukes the devil by declaring, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, I'm sure we all realize that this reference to the seed of the woman, this is actually a messianic prophecy that points to Jesus Christ, who is both the child of Mary and the Son of God. 
And with that being the case, it only stands to reason that the, the seed of the serpent, which is presented in contrast to the seed of the woman, well, this must be a reference to the Antichrist. And seeing how the seed of Mary was the Christ, who is also the Son of God, well, this contrast seems to suggest that there's coming a day when the spirit of Satan is going to indwell a person who will be known as the Antichrist. And the chances are uh, this will finally take place at a time when the lawless one is, uh, is given you know, the ability to rise up after the restrainer is removed. And, and then he's going to suffer a mortal wound. And in the midst of, of his death, he's going to, uh, I guess, maybe experience some sort of pseudo-resurrection by the power of Satan. I want to consider how John describes this. It's in Revelation chapter 13. There he declares this, I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Here in these verses, we find John describing the day in the middle of the tribulation when the Antichrist, who is called here the beast, is going to be mortally wounded. He's going to die from this wound. And it's at that point in time when his deadly wound is going to be healed in some sort of way. There are those who believe that it's at this point in time when the devil will deceive the world with some sort of pseudo-resurrection as he begins to indwell and empower the lifeless body of the Antichrist. And if that's the case, well, then this might explain why the Lord refers to the Antichrist as the seed of the serpent. This is the person who will be indwelt and empowered by Satan himself. Now, in light of these things, I'd like to suggest that the restrainer is actually restraining Satan. So, so yeah, the restrainer is restraining the rise of the lawless one, but he's doing this by restraining Satan from possessing the person that he will eventually empower uh, and, and who will eventually rise up and rule over the world. Listen, it's important to understand that the devil is actually clueless about the time of Christ's second coming. Only God knows the the time frame of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so the devil, being clueless about the time of Christ's second coming, well, he keeps trying to roll out his only plan. He's got one plan, and it has everything to do with, you know, rising up, or raising up a world leader who he will then possess and then use to try to bring in you know, his so-called utopia, which is nothing but lawlessness. And, and we've seen him attempt to do this time and time again. We've seen him you know, attempting to accomplish his evil scheme by raising up tyrants all throughout the church age. And, and for example, let's just consider the short of a very long list. Let's, let's just consider a few characters here, leaders like Nero, Napoleon, Lenin, Stalin, Mussolini, Hitler, Biden. Maybe I went too far there. But but we've certainly seen a a list of these leaders who are brought to a place of authority. and, And you better believe that Satan is getting ready to engage in the possession. And the restrainer says no. The restrainer stops it from happening. 
And in each case so far, the restrainer steps in and stops the lawless one from gaining full control. And with all this in mind, there's no doubt in my mind that the restrainer is the Holy Spirit who has the authority, the authority that is greater than the authority of Satan. The, the Holy Spirit is the restrainer who has authority over Satan and is currently stopping Satan from possessing a person before the proper time, which uh, we, we, we're, we're going to see then coincides with the rapture of the church. But now, before I get too far ahead of myself here, I want to take a little bit more time here to consider how the authority of the restrainer is evidence that the restrainer must be the Holy Spirit. And with this as the focus, let's cons- consider a, a few verses which help us to understand the almighty authority of the Holy Spirit. I should first remind you that it's in Matthew chapter 28, it's verse 18. There we find our risen Redeemer declaring, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That's right. Jesus didn't say that he had some authority. Jesus didn't say that he had most authority. No, instead, Jesus assured his disciples after his resurrection from the tomb, he told them that he now has all authority, and not just all authority over the earth, but all authority over heaven and the earth. With that, there should be no doubt that the Lord Jesus has more authority than the devil and his demons. And according to Jesus, the Holy Spirit shares the same level of authority. As a matter of fact, it's in John chapter 14 where we find Jesus assuring his disciples uh, and by you know, pointing them to the arrival of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and it's in verses 16 and 17 where the Lord Jesus declares, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now here in these verses, we find the Lord Jesus. He's describing the spirit of truth as a helper, but more specifically, he refers to the spirit of truth as another helper. And just to be clear, you might like to know that there are two Greek words that he could have used when he said another. There's one Greek word that means another, but of a different kind. And then there's the Greek word that means another, but of the same exact kind. And you'll be interested to know that Paul actually used the word which speaks of another of the same exact kind. And what this means then is that Jesus is saying, hey, I've been your helper while I've been here, but I'm going to send another helper, the spirit of truth. But he's saying another of the same exact kind as me. And what this means then is that the Holy Spirit has the same level of authority just like Jesus, which is how much authority? All authority. The Holy Spirit has all authority. And I should also remind you about the promise that the Lord Jesus presented concerning the role of the Holy Spirit during the church age. And with this as the focus, hold your place here in 2 Thessalonians and let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 1. As you're making your way to the first chapter of Acts, I just want to take a moment to remind you that the Holy Spirit of God has been here in the world since the day of creation. Since the day the Father spoke the universe into existence, well, the Holy Spirit has been hovering over the face of the waters and and was there at the time of creation. The Holy Spirit has been in the world this entire time. Not only that, But we also know that the Holy Spirit was sent to empower specific servants during the Old Testament days. 
And every student of the Old Testament will recognize that there's been times when the Holy Spirit came along and empowered one of the Old Testament saints for a season, but it, isn't, uh, it wasn't a ceiling and it wasn't ongoing. And that's why King David even prayed, you know, take not thy Holy Spirit from me, you know, because the Holy Spirit would, would empower servants for a season, uh, but not for a lifetime. It wasn't until the church age when the Father sent the Holy Spirit to empower every born-again believer from the moment of conversion until the day we're standing in the presence of our Savior Jesus. And with this in mind, I want to consider the way that Christ Jesus explains this on the day of his ascension into heaven. If you would, look with me here at Acts chapter 1. We'll begin reading at verse 4, because here Luke writes, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to part from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now here in these verses we learn that the Holy Spirit not only has all authority, just like Jesus, but he was also sent then to indwell and empower every Christian throughout the entire church age so that we can receive the, the supernatural power that we need to accomplish the Great Commission. And as we consider the way that the Holy Spirit exercises his authority in the way that he is empowering the people of God, well, this leads me to think that the restrainer is not only the Holy Spirit, but the restrainer is more specifically the Holy Spirit working through Christians here in the church age. To make my case, let's make our way back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I want to back up and begin reading again at verse 6, because here again Paul tells us this. He says, Now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Now, as we take another look at these verses, we find the restrainer here being referred to as a he, and at the same time, as a what. Now, don't try to tell me that the Holy Spirit has personal pronouns that are he and what. You know, that, that's, that's not the case at all. But we do find the restrainer being referred to as a he, but also, Paul says, you know what is restraining. So what is restraining right now? Uh, and, and, and how is it that, that the Paul here is referring to uh, the restraining uh, with this impersonal uh, word what? So what is restraining? Well, it seems to me that the what found there in verse 6 is actually a reference to the way that the Holy Spirit is working through the church. What is restraining right now? The Holy Spirit, the he, the restrainer, working through the what? The church, as the church is called then to slow or restrain the mystery of lawlessness as we function in the way that we're supposed to by accomplishing the great commission of Jesus Christ. So with that, how are we doing so far? How's it going? I don't know that we're doing a good, a good job restraining, especially as we look at riots and, and this increasing lawlessness. It, it kind of seems like we're dropping the ball, church. And yet this is our calling in the church age. As a matter of fact, it's in Ephesians chapter 5, 
where Paul challenges the church in this way. He says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Christian, listen. The Holy Spirit was sent to indwell and empower those who trust in Jesus Christ. And as we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, he leads us according to the authority of Jesus Christ. And it's for this reason that Paul says, hey, don't be drunk with wine. Don't be influenced by the spirit of alcohol, but rather be influenced by the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, if you're still being influenced by the spirit of alcohol, then you're probably struggling to be influenced by the spirit of God. These are two totally different directions. And so Paul says, don't be drunk with wine. Don't live under the influence of these spirits, but rather live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And as we live under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we walk in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ as we become the spiritual salt that is slowing the rot of this unrighteous world. That they used to slow the rot of, of meat by covering it in salt. And that's how we're supposed to function, Christian. We're supposed to act as restrainers who are restraining the mystery of lawlessness. How are you going to do that when you're drunk? The Lord has called us to, to live in the light of, of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit was sent to enable us to become the spiritual light that exposes those who are still living in sin. And what this means then is that we possess the authority of the restrainer according to the commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as the Holy Spirit works through the church, he's, he wants to use us to restrain the mystery of iniquity. Now this brings us to our third and final point because listen, the identity of the restrainer is the Holy Spirit working through the church and the authority of the restrainer is rooted in the almighty power of our God. But I also want to consider the security that the restrainer provides to those who trust in Jesus Christ. And to explain what I mean by this, let's make our way back now to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It's here where we find Paul He's implicitly now revealing the security that we enjoy when we rely on the Holy Spirit. And so with that, I want to pick up our study there of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 by backing up. Let's begin reading once again at verse 6. Here Paul writes, Now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And the, then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Now, as we take another look at these verses, we must not fail to notice that the restrainer will continue to restrain the lawless one until the lawless one is then revealed, and notice, in his own time. That word time, which is found there at the end of verse 6, well, it's translated from the Greek word, which was used in reference to a fixed or a definite time. Not only that, but the same word was also used in reference to the limited period of time, which was pre-appointed according to the purpose of God. And what this means then is that the time of the lawless one, or the time of the Antichrist, it's a different time from the time of the church age. 
the time of the lawless one is a different period of time than the time of the church age. I like the way that the scholars who created the New Living Translation rendered verse 6. Here's how they put it. You know what is holding him back, for he can be revealed only when his time comes. This is the time when, when it's time for the Antichrist to rise up. And what this means then is that there is a predetermined time which will begin with the revealing of the Antichrist. This, of course, is the time of tribulation, which we know is going to last for seven years according to the prophecy that Gabriel gave to the prophet Daniel. And as we consider the way that Paul describes this predetermined period of time as the time that belongs to the lawless one, well, it only stands to reason that this, must, this, this time period, it must begin when the restrainer is removed. And what this also means is that this time of the Antichrist will also begin right after the rapture of the church. Now, to make my case, let's take another look there at verse 7, because here again, Paul goes on to declare, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Here again, we're reminded of the fact that the restrainer must, be, must, must first be removed before the time that belongs to the Antichrist can begin. So there's a time that belongs to the lawless one, but that won't begin until the restrainer is first removed. And while there are those who are quick to insist, well, the restrainer, the, the restrainer can't be the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit can't be removed. He's omnipresent, or in other words, he's everywhere. How can you remove, you know, an entity who is everywhere? Well, I try to clear up the, the, the confusion by helping them to understand that the removal of the restrainer is actually a reversal of the way in which the Holy Spirit was initially sent at the beginning of the church age. So these people who make this argument, they never argue with the fact that the Holy Spirit was sent at the beginning of the church age, and yet he was. Well, how can he be sent if he's already everywhere? Well, listen, this sending and removing is not a locational issue, but rather it's in the unique and specific way that the Holy Spirit functions during the church age. In other words, listen, the church age began when the Holy Spirit was poured out and then indwelt and sealed believers for the church age. And the thing, this sending of the Holy Spirit is then removed when the restrainer is removed. And people are no longer being sealed in the same way during the time of tribulation. And you know, what this also means then is that the removal of the restrainer must also coincide with the rapture of the church. Now, to prove my point about this, let's consider a promise that the Lord Jesus presented to his disciples. And so if you would hold your place here in 2 Thessalonians, and let's turn our Bibles now to the Gospel of John. I'd like you to turn back to John chapter 14. I want to look at another detail that we find here in the 14th chapter of John's Gospel account, uh, because it's here in, in this text where we find Jesus helping his audience to understand that the Holy Spirit will not only indwell and empower the born-again believer, but the Holy Spirit will also abide with every believer forever. Let's consider how Jesus puts it here in John chapter 14. Look with me there at verse 16. Here he declares, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper, remember another of the same kind, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth 
whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Here in these verses, we find the Lord Jesus presenting his disciples with this prophetic promise regarding the way in which the Holy Spirit will abide in every believer from the point in time of their conversion and forever. And as we consider the way that the Lord Jesus assured us that he will not leave us as if we were orphans, you know, as I consider this, I I can't help but to remember something that Paul said in Romans chapter 8, it's verses 15 and 16, where Paul declares this. He says, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Christian, listen, we are not orphans. And we will not be left orphans here in this world when the restrainer is removed. We are the children of God. And when the restrainer is removed, the church that is still here will be removed with him. You see, if it's true that we've received the spirit of adoption, and if it's true that the Lord will not leave us orphans, then it only stands to reason that the removal of the restrainer will also include the rapture of the church. And what this means then is that the rise of the Antichrist will be preceded by the rapture of the church. The rise of the Antichrist will be preceded by the rapture of the church, which will occur at the same point in time when the restrainer is removed from the earth. And in this way, I like to describe the church age as having bookends. The church age has the first bookend when the Holy Spirit is sent, and the church age has the second bookend, which occurs when the Holy Spirit is removed, taking the church that's present at that point in time with him. And with that being the case, listen, those who want to enjoy the security of salvation, which is instilled by the indwelling Spirit of God, well, I encourage you to to make sure that you've embraced the promise that Paul presented to the Christians at the church in Ephesus. It's actually in Ephesians chapter 1, it's verses 13 and 14, where Paul declares, in him, speaking of Jesus, in Jesus you also trusted after you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. From this, we can see that every born-again believer has been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And seeing how this spiritual seal has become the guarantee of our inheritance, which will last until the redemption of the purchased possession, well, then we can be certain that the restrainer is also securing the salvation of those who have truly placed their faith in the substitutionary sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what this means then is that the removal of the restrainer will also include the rapture of the church. At the same time, the removal of the restrainer will also result in the destruction of the Antichrist as well as his followers. And to prove my point, let's turn back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I want to take one more look here at verse 8. It's here where Paul declares, then the lawless one will be revealed. So after the restrainer is removed, after the rapture of the church occurs, the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy 
with the brightness of his coming. Here we learn about the, the way that the lawless one is going to be revealed and then seven years later destroyed at the time of our Savior's second coming. Now, we're going to learn more about the destruction of the Antichrist in our study next week. And so if you think I'm just passing over verse 8 without getting into the destruction of the Antichrist, don't just hold your horses. You know, we'll get to it next week. But for now, I simply want to present you with a timeline of the end-time events that Paul has mentioned here in the first eight verses of this chapter. I want to basically encapsulate you know, the, the last several uh, studies that we've been through here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'll remind you that Paul began this chapter by mentioning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. He then mentioned the great apostasy when many in the church will fall away. Not only that, but he also referred to the removal of the restrainer and the rise of the Antichrist who will go on to commit the abomination of desolation as he sits in the temple of God claiming to be God. And in order to put all of this onto a proper timeline, it'll help you to know that the great apostasy in the church will happen first, followed by the removal of the restrainer, which coincides with the rapture of those who are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And then the Antichrist will be revealed. He will then, three and a half years later, commit the abomination of desolation and then be destroyed three and a half years later at the time of Christ's second coming. That's a proper timeline of the first eight verses of this chapter. And as we consider where we currently are on this timeline of events, it seems to me that we're in the beginning stages of the great apostasy. We're in the beginning stages of that time period when the church begins to embrace the doctrines of demons by and large, and many begin to fall away from the faith. And with that being the case, I encourage you to consider the warning that Jesus presented in Luke chapter 21. It's verses 34 through 36 where he declares, Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Here in these verses we find Christ Jesus helping his audience to understand that the day of the Lord is going to be a huge surprise to those who were living for the carnal parties and the cares of this world. And it's sad to say that this snare is going to catch many unbelievers who had probably been uh, you know, plugged into some sort of church. Yeah, there's going to be many unbelievers who were probably attending a local church and yet failed to truly submit themselves to our Savior Jesus. And it's for this reason that Jesus encouraged his audience to watch and pray. We ought to watch and pray so that we might escape the time of tribulation. In light of these things, I encourage you to remember the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. That's what Paul said in the first century. And you better believe that the mystery of lawlessness is already at work today. And the mystery of lawlessness is, is continuing to increase. The mystery of iniquity continues to increase. And one reason why is because the restrainer seems to be loosening his restraints upon this wicked world. And I can't help but to wonder how much this has to do with the apostasy that's happening in the church. As, the pos, as apostasy continues to ramp up uh, in, in many churches throughout the world, well, 
the, the restraining work of the Holy Spirit also continues to loosen and lessen, thereby allowing more and more iniquity all throughout the world. And there's no doubt in my mind that the apostasy that appears to be upon us as more and more within various churches are embracing doctrines of demons. And with all this being the case, I encourage you to realize that there is still salvific security for those who have been sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. As this world continues to grow darker and darker, we need to know that our salvation is secure as we rely on the Holy Spirit who seals us. And so, listen, if you want to rest in the salvific security of the restrainer, then I encourage you to make sure that you're relying on the restrainer and not on yourself. You can't secure your salvation, but the Holy Spirit can. And so let's rely on the restrainer as we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we wrap up this study, I just want to take a moment to remind you that the identity of the restrainer, well, it's the Holy Spirit who's working through believers here in the church age. What this also means then is that the authority of the restrainer has been you know, extended to us Christians so that we might help with you know, restraining the mystery of lawlessness. And at the same time, the security of the restrainer has been extended to those who trust in Jesus Christ. And as a result, we can rejoice in knowing that we've been sealed with a guarantee which will continue until the day of our redemption. And in light of these things, we can rejoice in knowing that there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful to know? There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but who are relying on the infinite power of the restrainer. Let's pray.